0: I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. You'll have to forgive the dark and sinister music in the background, but there's something serious going on in the United States of America. I've been aware of it ever since earlier this month, and maybe you're aware of it too. It'd be difficult to ignore since it's making the news all over the place. It's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy to deprive someone... Of their well-deserved victory, which everyone can plainly see he was on his way to achieving. But the fix was in well before the big night. Everyone was in their place as part of this conspiracy to cheat. Well, don't worry, folks. This conspiracy will soon be unearthed. It involves foreign officials, domestic ones within the United States, who are paid off by those foreign officials who are hiding behind what they call the truth. But, like I said, don't worry, the evidence is going to come out very soon. And this unjust decision will be overturned and... Oh, wait, 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 hold, hold on. Did you think that I was talking about that stupid election between Trump and Biden? I, oh, I, I, I'm sorry for the confusion. No, I, I'm talking about Deontay Wilder being cheated by Tyson Fury in the rematch to their uh, fight back in February of this year. Oh, come on, don't tell me that you're believing all this malarkey that Tyson Fury was the quote-unquote better man. You seriously don't think that Wilder's trainer, Mark Breland, was paid off by the Fury camp? That the uh, ridiculous Masters of the Universe costume, which was to honor Black History Month, didn't sap all the strength out of Deontay Wilder's legs? You don't believe that Tyson Fury had egg weights in his gloves, giving him a heavy shot to land on Wilder's head? You don't believe that Mark Breland drugged the water Wilder was drinking prior to and during the fight between rounds? You don't believe that Tyson Fury had massively long fingernails which he used to cut the inside of Deontay Wilder's ear? You don't think that Kenny Bayless, perhaps the most respected referee in the game today, wasn't a part of this? You don't think that the entire Nevada State Athletic Commission which observed both the wrapping and gloving up of Tyson Fury was paid off by his camp? You don't believe that Tyson Fury did one of the most reprehensible things a person can do to an opponent and place a gypsy curse on Deontay Wilder? If you don't believe any of this stuff, well, congratulations, you're not a moron. (laughs) The, The conspiracy theories are entertaining and humorous when they're coming from other people, but when you realize that all of these have come from the same source, Deontay Wilder. They, start, they, they, they stop being funny and start getting sad. Very, very sad. There, there, there's something a bit Shakespearean to it all, but not in the way that you're thinking. To quote a line from Macbeth, Act 5, Scene 5, It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. This is not the rising from the ashes that Wilder promised shortly after suffering the first loss of his career. For the war has just begun. I will rise again. I am strong. I am a king that can't take my pride. I am a warrior. I'm a king that would never give up. I'm a king that will fight to the death. These are the cries of a baby, a spoiled child being told no for the first time. It's the rambling of a conspiracy theorist trying to make sense of everything, despite all the answers being in front of him, and anyone or anything who happens to tell him otherwise, well, they're part of the conspiracy too, quite obviously. I've been trying to think, you know, what caused this? What made him break? And then I thought, well, wait a minute. The last time he lost a fight was all the way back in the Olympics in 2004. So from 2004, like after he turned pro, to 2020, he had never lost a fight. And every time he got in the ring, he was knocking people out. People said that he made it look easy. So this is probably what he's trying to do. He's trying to make sense of it all. But the way he's going about it is completely ass-backwards. Look, if he wants to fire Mark Breland, the guy who helped uh, guide him from his whole career, from bronze medalist to heavyweight champion, simply for throwing in the towel, that's his right. That's his choice. But it's not one that I would have made, and probably a lot of other people wouldn't have made, but we're not Deontay Wilder. We don't have the same mentality that he does. But when you start slandering people, and you keep doing it over and over, that's not cool. You're opening yourself up for a defamation lawsuit, and from there, you can ask Oscar De La Hoya how well that worked out for him against Manny Pacquiao. Breland should probably talk to a lawyer, if he hasn't already, and have said lawyer tell Wilder and his people that you either produce some evidence of drugging or that Breland was being paid off by the Fury camp. Otherwise, you better prepare for a lawsuit, Okay. My advice to Deontay Wilder would be watch the Oliver Stone movie JFK. Now, in that movie, Stone alleges that it was the Mafia who killed JFK, and the Russians, and Fidel Castro, and anti-Castro Cubans, and thrill-seeking homosexuals, and the FBI, and the CIA, and the military, and Lyndon Johnson and the Secret Service, and big oil executives. It was all of those forces, but it wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald. Wilder wants us, and maybe even himself, to believe that he lost because of his stupid 40-pound costume that he wore to the ring, which drained the strength from his legs, even though in 2018 he said on the Joe Rogan podcast that he trains wearing a 45-pound weighted vest. He wants us to believe that it was Mark Breland, a man who previously had unwavering loyalty, who drugged him and then threw in the towel in the eighth round, despite Wilder saying in the past that no one can ever stop his fights. But if Breland was looking for an opportunity to throw in the towel to, you know, throw the fight for Deontay Wilder, why didn't he throw the towel in in the third round when Wilder was knocked down and on very shaky legs? How were all those officials from the Nevada State Athletic Commission paid off to look the other way while Jay Diaz, who trained Wilder from the start, he was in the room while Fury was getting his hands wrapped? Remember, Diaz wasn't fired by Wilder. Wilder said that he was angry with Diaz, but he didn't fire him because he, quote, didn't go against my will. Now, now I I gotta say, when he says stuff like that, like, go against my will, as in thy will be done, it's like, y- you're starting to sound like a cult leader, okay? I mean, good lord, get off across of cross, Deontay, we need the wood. Also, wouldn't Diaz have noticed something was amiss? Wouldn't he have noticed that the gloves looked suspicious as Fury put them on? Wouldn't he have noticed that, hey, um, what's, What's that you've got in your hand there, Tyson? Is, is that an egg white you've got while you're trying to put on the glove? Well, you, you can't do that. He's supposed to be watching this stuff. And if it did happen, why didn't he say anything? Is he part of this conspiracy too? If the fingernails were an issue, why didn't he say anything? You know, a part of my job requires taking pictures of people occasionally and i've come to notice stuff like long fingernails on people particularly on men because to me it either means that um you know they're not grooming properly or if they just have one long fingernail on their hand it's a coke nail. and if you don't know what that is well go ask your parents or good god you're on the internet just google coke nail you know, Maybe Diaz thought that old habits die hard for Tyson Fury. Who knows? And as for gypsy curses, well, I've been making inquiries to state athletic commissions all over the country. However, they've yet to respond to me. But, believe it or not, I think curses are permitted. As we saw in the rematch between Manny Pacquiao and Timothy Bradley, Remember how they cut to Manny Pacquiao's mother and she was waving her fingers? like She, she kind of looked like a Filipino witch, okay? She looked like she was using some black magic against Timothy Bradley. And for love of God, Tim Bradley had a better case against Manny Pacquiao and his mom than Wilder has against Fury in terms of a curse being put on him. But even Tim Bradley didn't cry about it. He didn't say, "Oh, Manny Pacquiao's mom, he put a curse on me, and that's why I lost." He's just like, "No, nope, I lost. Uh, I'm going to try and do better." Apparently, Wilder has hired former opponent Malik Scott as a trainer now, so we'll see how that goes. There's some back and forth negotiations between Wilder and Fury's camps about making a third fight that'll happen sometime next year, hopefully if that fight does happen, let's just hope that Wilder leaves his excuses at the door. Moving on. Let me tell you something, my friends. I don't know much about the business end of boxing. It's easy for me to assume how things would would, uh, work best, but I'm not behind the scenes, so all I can do is assume, and sometimes, against my best efforts, as they say in the law, I'm assuming a fact that's not in evidence. But one thing... I assume, but I also do know, is that every promoter would want to say that the fighter they're promoting is one of the best fighters in the world. And you can certainly make an argument that Terrence Bud Crawford is one of, if not the best fighters in the world. So why in the hell is Bob Arum not keen on promoting this guy? Uh, despite making an excellent showing of, him, of himself recently in dispatching Kel Brook in just four rounds, and I, I gotta say, uh, those first three rounds, I actually gave to Brook. Uh, I was watching that fight and thinking, oh wow, you know, I know that Kel, or I, I know that uh, Crawford's a bit of a slow starter, but for the most part, Kel Brook's actually doing good of himself. He's He looks like he's on the ball, he he looks like he's doing what he needs to do, but in the back of my mind, I kept thinking Crawford's a slow starter. He's he's a bit like Mayweather in that he will uh, analyze and adapt as I make that comparison to the Borg on Star Trek The Next Generation. Just to remind you guys that I'm a nerd, okay? But, you know, all of a sudden in the fourth round, he comes alive and just obliterates Brooke, okay? Nobody had ever done that to Brooke before. Not Errol Spence and not Gennady Golovkin, okay? Brooks actually considering retirement, but getting back to the issue at hand. Aram has come out and said that he doesn't want to promote Crawford anymore because he keeps losing money on his fights. Aram added he'd refused to go bankrupt bankrolling Crawford, the fighter needs to promote himself, and that he could have built a house in Beverly Hills on the money he's lost on Crawford in the last three fights. Now, when I hear that, I think, oh, my God, you know, a, a fighter saying that not just about his fighter, but one of the best fighters in the world. I mean, to be that honest and that candid, Bob's got to be pissed. And I know some of you are going to hate me for this more so than you might already. But is Bob Aram right? Now, first off, I get it. He is the promoter. OK, you're supposed to make people want to come and see this guy. OK, you know, you're, you're kind of like the Vince McMahon. You should be like doing everything you can to put butts in seats, even though that's not physically possible these days. But you get what I mean. OK. But at the same time, what is the harm in a little self-promotion? Honest to God, it wasn't a promoter who said that Muhammad Ali was the greatest of all time. It was Ali who did that. And he was was doing that back when he was still called Cassius Clay. He would go onto radio shows. You would see him in newsreel interviews. And he was talking about himself. He was saying that he was going to easily dominate his opponent. He would predict what round he would knock out his opponents. And he would knock them out in that round. He would talk to me in game. He was inspired by the trash talk of the uh, wrestler Gorgeous George. And he knew that people would come to watch him fight because they wanted to see what would happen if he lost. I've been saying this for years. That that fighters should do more to promote themselves and that they should take a page out of Manny Pacquiao's book. And... Because look what he did to expand his public profile. He went on a late night talk show like Jimmy Kimmel. And... Holy hell, the only way I can actually watch Jimmy Kimmel is if he's got Pacquiao on. Because if you didn't know this, I. You either didn't know it because you're not watching him either, or because you're just kind of blind to this. But Jimmy Kimmel is painfully unfunny. You've got to put yourself out there. No one's going to do it for you. And, you know, if you're Terrence Crawford, you have to wonder. You're an undefeated fighter. You've won multiple titles in multiple weight classes. You've been dominating the competition. No one's, you know, giving you a competitive competitive fight in how many years? But who the hell knows who you are? C- can you walk down the streets and have people come up to you and say, "Oh my God, you're Terence Crawford. I-, I saw your last fight against Kell Brook. You were amazing." No, that does not happen. A- and again. Aram is the promoter. So he can tell, bud, you know, do more than just some serious XM radio interviews. Go on a show like Kimmel, Fallon, Colbert, Seth Meyers. Listen to this. Seth Meyers, again, somebody who is painfully unfunny, and I, he, he's got a very punchable face, but that, again, I'm getting off track. Seth Meyers has had comic book writers as guests on his show, and nobody reads comic books anymore. And I'm somebody who actually reads comic books. So I bet Myers would love to have on a multi-division champion who some say is the best fighter in the world. And who a lot of people in boxing would love to see fight Errol Spence Jr. next year. And I hope that fight can be made next year. Crawford turned 33 back in September and Spence is 30. He'll be turning 31 in March. Right now, these guys are around the same age as Ray Leonard and Thomas Hearns when they fought for the second time. And that rematch was eight years after the first fight, and even Leonard says the rematch should have happened years and years earlier. But, of course, neither guy is budging about, you know, having a fight take place because both are demanding a 60-40 split in their favor. My school of thought is, why not put it in the contract... That the winner gets 60% and the loser 40%. Then there's extra incentive for you to win, okay? You want to say, not did I only get the titles and the victory, and not only did I take his undefeated record, but I'm also getting paid more. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. But then, you know, what do I know? I'm just a semi-frequent podcast host. Moving on. Hey, big fight coming up. Yeah, you want to come over to my house and listen to round-by-round updates on the radio? Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, and after the fight, we can watch the still photos on the 11 o'clock news. Not too shabby. It is a big fight this weekend, ladies and gentlemen, because it is the highly anticipated bout between Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. for the Geriatric Heavyweight Championship of the World. That's, this is a state of boxing where this is the most exciting thing that, that can happen. But, uh, okay, you know what? If, if it's getting people excited, if it's getting people talking about boxing, uh, am I really to complain? I, I'm not too happy that on the undercard is... It's either Jake Paul or Logan Paul, some YouTube star who sometimes has a boxing career i don't know i think he's only had two fights and it was against another youtuber and um i just think about wow all the other boxers who've been working for years and uh you know they've been training putting in the effort and they're on the undercard to this pansy from youtube what's even sadder was that i saw lou de a guy whose opinion i don't always agree with but you know, I I respect him. I saw him kind of say, "Oh no, this is good for the sport." It's like, oh, Lou, Lou, what happened to you? But either way, Roy Jones Jr. versus Mike Tyson. Okay, let's break down the numbers. Okay, Mike Tyson is fifty-four years old. Roy Jones Jr. is fifty-one. Mike Tyson has had 58 fights. Roy Jones, 75. Tyson's record, 50 wins, 6 losses, 44 wins by way of knockout, 2 no contests. For Jones, 66 victories, 47 knockouts, 9 losses. Tyson's last fight was June of 2005. Roy Jones Jr.'s last fight ...was February of 2018. Tyson has a 71-inch reach. Jones has a 74-inch reach. Now, a lot of people are thinking... ...well, this this could kind of be like Rocky Balboa. You know, that fight was an exhibition. Yes, that fight was also... the, the, ...the whole movie was fiction. What am I saying? Um... You know, as excited as people are getting from seeing Tyson look amazing on the pads, I'm almost wondering if we're somewhat deluding ourselves into um, thinking that this is going to be something epic, when in reality it's just going to be like, afterwards we're going to be saying, why did I get so excited about this? You know, why Why did we delude ourselves? Um, for one thing, there is... Going to be remote scoring by the WBC, and uh, the 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 uh, pe- uh, people scoring this fight are former boxing champions Christy Martin, Vinny Pazienza, and Chad Dawson. Yeah, they're going to be judging this. WBC previously announced that each round will be scored and announced to the public with scoring criteria taking into consideration. The WBC also created a frontline battle belt with the inscription "Black Lives Matter," so it can be awarded to one of the veterans after the eight round match unfolds with ten ounce gloves over two minute rounds. Um, it's like, oh, just two minute rounds. We're not actually treating this like a like a real fight, and oh, it, it gets even stranger. Now, according to Andy Foster, who is the California State Athletic Commission Executive Director, uh, he has said that this is not really, this is an exhibition, okay? You, you should not expect this to be a real fight, which unfortunately I think a lot of people are. Uh, Tyson and Jones are not going to be required to wear headgear. However, no knockouts are apparently allowed either. there's silence because I'm trying to let this sink in and you can probably hear the furnace going because it's cold here in Calgary but um, we have a fight with Mike Tyson and you're saying one of the rules is you can't have any knockouts it's like having a movie with Samuel L. Jackson Joe Pesci and uh, who's, who's somebody else who swears? Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, people who who have accents when they swear—it's really funny. That's like having those three in a movie, but saying, "Oh, by the way, you can't swear. None of your characters can swear." Y- you're going to be like, "Well, what's the point of watching the movie then?" Oh my god! First of all, how do you enforce that exactly? Because we've seen Roy Jones Jr. get knocked out quite easily at times, okay? Like, he could just take one on the chin and just drop. Are we supposed to say, well, Iron Mike's disqualified because he scored a knockout even though he wasn't allowed? I mean, come on, what have rules ever stopped Mike Tyson? Also, what, what I'm trying to figure out is, like, are, are people going to be betting on this fight? Because if there's no real announced winner and you've just got... You know, three people who are remote judging it. like, uh, uh, I, I'm just worried that we've set ourselves up to be massively disappointed. And I don't want that to happen. I, I would love it if it, if we were treating this like, uh, like the exhibition in Rocky Balboa between Balboa and... Uh, he, he was played by uh, Mason the Line Dixon, played by Antonio Tarver. Um, gosh... I mean, you're probably wondering who am I picking. I'm going with Tyson. I'm going with Tyson simply because uh, from what I've seen of him, he looks to be in better shape. He also hasn't been getting punched in the head for the last 15 years, unlike a certain Roy Jones Jr. Okay, his last fight was in 2018, but... Who cares? He's taken so much unnecessary damage between 2005 and 2018. Okay, I I just hope that hopefully this could be an entertaining fight. But uh, I'm not holding my breath. And uh, if I do decide to go watch it, I'm uh, hopefully I don't have to pay full price. Okay, I I really if I can find a bar that'll be showing it, that's great. But I don't know a part of me is just like come on don't suck please please don't suck and also don't shame me if I go to a bar and uh, watch this fight in this whole COVID situation okay I work at a pharmacy I'm exposed to disease every day and that's just on the uh, bus ride to work okay so uh, don't worry my immune system can handle anything mostly anything Anyway, that's all we have for you this week. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. Twitter.com slash boxing for free. Be like Arislandi Lara, Robert Guerrero, Berman Stiverne, Millerad Zizek, Adonis Stevenson, Glenn Johnson. Wow, that's a lot of famous boxers and hundreds of others. And follow us on Twitter. Go to YouTube.com slash boxing for free and like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash boxing for free page. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, give us a review and let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. It's a mystery. It's a mystery wrapped in a riddle inside an enigma. The fucking shooters don't even know. Don't you get it? Fuck, man!